This series of Rain is celebrating one of my obsessions, women's sport. The series is empowered by Nike, whose ambition, just like Rain, is to be the biggest champion for women and girls and ensure they feel seen and included. And that means all women. Nike celebrates all bodies, all journeys, and all forms of movement, and we love to see it. Nike is totally committed to that investment, supporting her journey, taking action to make meaningful change and coming through with innovative style-led products. I'm sure you've already seen the game-changing new England's women's football kit, which includes the new leak protection technology embedded in the lining of the Nike Pro short for athletes. Nike leak protection period is available as a separate product for everyone, and the ultra-thin absorbent liner is designed to give people who menstruate an added layer of confidence through movement, whether that's football, athletics, dance, weightlifting, yoga, or even a quick dash to the shop, babes. That's not all. Nike have launched the Phantom Luna, a women-led football boot, backed by Nike's most meaningful investment in women yet. That they've taken more than two years of research, trialing, designing, and styling to develop. And we haven't even gone on to the bras, leggings, pro hijabs, and their maternity and plus size ranges. So make sure you check out the latest innovation for her product at Nike.com. Hey, I'm Josh Smith, and welcome to Rain. This podcast is all about empowerment and open conversations with incredible guests. So let's get straight into it. On your marks and get set for the record-breaking Team GB runner, Keely Hodgkinson. Keely burst onto our screens when she won silver in the 800 meters at the Tokyo Olympics at just 19. Since then, she's gone on to obliterate the national record multiple times, set a new world indoor 600 meter record, and has taken home medals at the Commonwealth Games and the European and World Championships. Ahead of the World Championships this summer and the Paris Olympics next year, Keely tells me about her journey to the top in athletics, and it hasn't always been in the fast lane. We chat about how she quit as a teen, the time she was crying on the pavement during lockdown, and going from not being able to get out of bed to winning a Commonwealth medal in the space of a week. You are going to be so inspired by how Keely has got herself into a record-breaking mindset. Keely also calls for more research into how contraception affects women's bodies in sport and beyond. And I really love her words on how losing could be the best thing that can happen to you. Now, starting positions. Keely, how are you? Good morning, I'm okay. How are you? I mean, it is an epic summer of sport going down right now. What are you up to at the moment? Um, at the moment, I'm turning my apartment in Manchester at home. Uh, we've got the British World Trials this weekend. Um, in terms of other things, I'm looking forward to watching, obviously, be the Women's World Cup. But other than that, that's all I know at the moment. But it's going good, and um, it's, a, it's a good summer ahead. I mean, you've kicked off this summer in a whole other gear, though haven't you? You recently just broke the British 800 meter record, which comes off the back of breaking the world indoor 600 meter record earlier this year. You even look like you shocked yourself when you beat that 800 meters record. Are you surpassing your own expectations right now? Um, 
I would say I was only so surprised because it was the first race of the season and you know you don't know what other shit when people are in you don't know how it's gonna go but I knew there was a few things indoors that I didn't do that I wanted to make sure I did outdoors I do think I run a bit better outdoors than than in but um yeah it was just a good day and I think I was just surprised that all kids go so early on in the season but I definitely knew I was in that shape it was just whether it would happen or not it wasn't an aim put it that way what do you think is making the difference you right now that's turning you from being an incredible runner into a record-breaking runner um i think a lot of it for me is just having the confidence and the self-belief like compared to two years ago it's definitely different maybe a little bit more of a target on my back than what i was um so i think it's just remaining not getting complacent remaining calm and just really believing in yourself that you can do these things mm. what do you think was the turning point in you finding your self-belief um i think it's always been there um and which why i was you know quite lucky in 2021 to go see olympics and on all that fall together but i just i love competition like i just love the challenge of competing for the best and you know i love the opportunity to do that so whenever that comes along i will try my absolute best to come on top Mm. what kind of sacrifices do you think you've had to make in pursuit of trying to be the best um i would say it's gosh depends how you look at it for me i would say i've sacrificed quite a lot this year because i'm away at least six months of the year um i go to south africa i have a place out there so i live out there basically half the year um and it is not my favorite place in the world because all it is is training 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 nothing else to do when i come home and miss out on things with my friends or get in the early night so go in here go in there so I think there's a lot on the other side that you know people don't see as much but as long as you've seen reaping the rewards and it's worth it then I have no complaints yeah I mean you are reaping those rewards and we do have the world championships coming right up well around the corner you've got a couple more competitions before then do you feel yeah. like you are in the form of your life going into these world championships um I think so. I think I've definitely had the most injury-free winter that I've ever had. I didn't I had no problems, which was a blessing. So I've managed to get loads of consistent training underneath with no disruptions, um, which is fathom I think me running out 155 really early on and hopefully we just get faster and faster. My coach is good at making sure I pick at the right time. So hopefully when it comes to Budapest, I'll definitely be in a, a shout line of running really, really well. Yeah, and you'll just be gunning for that finish line. And it's been a long journey for you to get to this point from when you started out to now. Mm-hmm. Let's take it back to the beginning of your athletics journey. When did you first start out in sport and when did you really get that bug for competition when you were like, I'm getting my teeth into this, I'm going for it? Um, I started athletics when I was around 11 but between and I probably started taking it more seriously when I was about fifteen. But between eleven and fifteen, I did actually quit and then come back. And I think I was I was good when I was younger. I used to swim a lot, so that was like right my fitness bomb and stuff. And then um, I had a few things myself. I had to get some surgery and stuff, and it put me out for a while. And then I was just like, I don't want to do it anymore. Like I didn't. It almost scared me. The I guess you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think at that point in age, I didn't want to be. But my parents did the right thing with put any pressure on me. They were like, you know, do whatever you want. So I took it as a fun thing for a while. And then once I started getting my fitness back and 
blah, 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 blah. Um, American Queen was like, oh no, this is something I actually really want to do. So I got my first national title when I was 15. And I remember the following year, I was saying to my dad, there's a GB youth team that I could have made because I was old enough. And I was like, I want to make that team. Anyway, I ended up winning the European youth uh, a year later. Um, so I guess yeah, that point when I just kind of took it more seriously and also had a lot of fun with it as well, but definitely put more focus on it too. So I missed my prom. School, my after prom, I missed that by European youth, which it was a good idea at the end. At the time, it was a good idea, but I kind of saw I missed it. Oh my God. I mean, missing out your prom to go to the European champs. I mean, babe, the struggle is real. <laughs> I'm not sure which one I would have picked. I know. My cousin went in my prom. I went to my prom, but I didn't go to like the after prom. Everyone knows that is the best bit. So I was quite sad, but it was worth it because I did, I did win the European youth, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You traded the prom outfit for a very different outfit. <laughs> Yeah, I did. <laughs> when you think back now to when you're sitting here today as a multi-medal winner across the world champs, across the Olympics, across European championships, indoor, outdoor, you've achieved so much already. But when you look back at your journey, when do you, what do you think have been some moments that have truly made you the athlete that you are today? Um, I think a big one for me was probably lockdown. Uh, in lockdown, I struggled so much to keep training. I was only young; I was I was eighteen. But I feel like, in, as any athlete, if you're trying to go for something, it feels like the world's ending in your own head. So I remember one time mm. I was it was in lockdown, and at first I thought, "Oh yes, like, I don't have to get up early. I can just kind of like go train at eleven instead of like nine a.m. because um we're all locked in." But then uh. Quickly, that 11 a.m. became 5 p.m., then 6 p.m., and I'd leave it all day, and it made me so miserable. One time I walked out of my front door, sat on the pavement outside, and just cried. And just came to my dad, I was like, I don't want to do it. I really don't want to do it. And um, that's when I spoke to my coach, like, resuming stuff and tried to just get mentally get through it. I didn't race that year, but it wasn't as good as what we started at the beginning of the year. But in the back of my head, I was always like, whatever I do now will help me in the Olympic year. Even though at that point, no one had a second guess that I was thinking of trying to go to the Olympics. But I think at that point, I was just trying to maybe outside trying to make the team. So I didn't want to stop and do nothing. But I also didn't want to do it. So I think just battling through that definitely made me already realise how mentally strong I was. Because, mm. I mean, sporting, ta- sport is so much about talent, but it's also about mindset as well. And you can't put in the winning performance if you aren't in the correct headspace it's just it's just impossible yes how have you really shaped and worked on your mindset to get it into that medal winning mindset that you have now um i think for me it's literally just making sure i'm happy like outside of the sport if i've got no stresses or no outside of that i can put all my focus on someone and just do what needs to be done but definitely not having a clear head not being focused yeah you won't get at this level, you won't get anything done at that point. So, yeah, I think it's just my coach's philosophy is a happy athlete is a fast athlete. So he really works on, like, the environment just being a healthy and happy and fun place to be rather than, like, it is work, but, you know, try and make it lighthearted. Yeah. How do you work on your own mental health to get into that space and get into that happy athlete 
psyche? Um, I think the past two years for me, I've definitely, I've definitely done a lot of like growth. I guess you say I've grown up in a way. Um, part of me feels like I've maybe grew, grew up slightly quicker than I thought I was going to with like my whole life changed two years ago with from a professional athlete quite young on and taking on new responsibilities, you could call it the adult world, I guess. Uh, but I worked with my psychologist, Tom, and he he's really good with under, maybe helping me understand like maybe why I think a certain way or why I may get upset about certain things or why I might be so emotional. And I never used to be. I feel like I've just changed a lot. Um, so I think for me, it was just dealing with that and actually dealing with it, not just pushing it out to the side and hoping it was going to go away. Mm. You have to just deal with it head on and working with a psychologist is such a powerful thing to be able to do, especially as an athlete. I mean, we had Katarina Johnson-Thompson on before talking about this. Yeah. What is a lesson you've really learned from working with the sports psychologist? Um, I think it's probably him preparing me for... Because when I first went to him, it wasn't really to do with the king of the athlete. It was more me personally. But recently, I'd say we probably worked on more of the athlete side of different scenarios and just being ready for that. Some things, you know, maybe in the past I never really had to think about and now I feel like I'm more prepared for. So when it's like training the brain to be ready for something before it even happens, just thinking one step ahead. And I think that's what maybe will help me in the future now and in the coming season to just um, be ready for anything. Mm. And you are ready for anything in the form you're in right now, but take okay. me to that start line. What is going through your head when you're on that little start line, the little start line, the big start line. Really? <laughs> I love how we're like me. <laughs> like, <laughs> probably the scariest part of the whole race. When, you, yeah. when you're getting onto that start line, what is going through your head and how do you get yourself into that, like, I'm going for it headspace? Um, I think from when I get, yeah, I hate the start line. That's the worst bit because you just stood there waiting to, when I was in Lausanne the other week, we were stood there for literally about eight minutes. It's the longest eight minutes of my life. I'm thinking, oh, what is going on? But um, I think I think about what I've got to do, but then I also think, can't wait for this to be over. But then I also think, okay, let's just enjoy it and just get out and getting yourself in a good position and doing things to do. And I'm also very much like, it's kind of like now or never type of vibe in my head. It's like, okay, you just got to, Got once the gun goes, they're absolutely fine. But before then, yeah, it's not a nice place to be. Mm. Do you have like a go-to pep talk that you give yourself either before the race or during the race? I think probably I'll be in the maybe in the call room. I probably I go to like the bathroom for like one last time before I go out to race, and then I just like look at myself in the mirror and be like, "Keep you're not leaving this place without a medal or without something." And just kind of tell myself that and then go out and hopefully do it. But um, yeah, it's worked. Uh, well, clearly. And I love that you literally face yourself in the mirror and you literally go, you are coming home with something from this. <laughs> I know it sounds stupid, but it worked. Yeah. I mean, it's all about positive affirmations at the end of the day and facing yourself. But it must be so weird because you are such good friends with so many of the people you compete with. How do you go from literally being pally with them in the locker room to them being like I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna beat you like it must be such an interesting like change in psyche yeah I, I would say it's probably like two different personalities which sounds a bit mental but it's almost like okay you have the nice because we all get on really well you know probably all want each other to do well but we also all want to win so 
I guess it's just different, differentiating that and whatever happens, you know, on the track, it's completely different to, um, but I thought this is a very supportive community, you know, people are happy. We saw that when, uh, I don't know if you saw Faith Kip Yegon break the world record and everyone was so happy for her. And it's like, that's one of your rivals, but it's like, you know, she does something amazing. So I guess, yeah, it's a very supportive community to be in, but there's definitely still a fight in there. Yeah, you ain't going to beat me today. <laughs> You're going to watch me cross this finish line from behind. <laughs> <laughs> I try, I try. Has it been an interesting process for you to go from being a contender to being one of the runners that people are now chasing? Has that brought up a new level of pressure, do you think, or is it something you've learned to thrive on? I think it's something I've luckily learned to thrive on because um, I kind of like the the challenge of maintaining at the top and it definitely is different it's definitely harder you know I remember I think it was Mo Farah was saying like getting to the top is one thing but staying there is another and when I think about how he managed to do multiple Olympic medals back to back I'm just like how did you like four years apart how did you do that it's really hard um and it's definitely a whole different mindset but I've got a good team around me that you know if I do lose a race no one's got a gun to my head so I'm not scared of losing it's something that's part of the the process um but definitely when I step out there is that actually little expectation I'd say not maybe pressure but just expectation I feel like some people kind of expect me to just win now like that easily and if I don't it's like they don't know what to say but to me it's it's fine it's all part of the the process and the best thing that could happen to me is a loss because it teaches me way more than me just going out winning all the time Mm. is there a loss that or a moment of, in inverted commas, failure that's really taught you a lot and has ultimately actually really empowered you? I'd probably actually say my most recent race, um, when I raced in Lausanne, in the Daimler, I made so many mistakes, so many just stupid decisions that it just resulted in a really bad race for me. Um, but I think it's them moments where I'm like, it's almost like a, not a wake-up call, but just like a, it gets the... the the fuel and the fire back in there to like right that's never gonna happen again so um that's why i don't mind the lesson but i don't mind learning things when it comes to a world championships you kind of try and almost cover all bases to try and just put your best performance together it's like the world times last year although i missed out on the title by like 0.08 there literally was nothing more i could do in that race i did everything i could i literally just missed out so now it'll be like okay how do we not miss out um, but in terms of that race, I didn't think I could. So, yeah, I think you just I like to take the lessons in the different ones and just hopefully make you a better athlete for the future. Mm. And any race can really change your life. One race can change your life. And one race that definitely changed your life was that casual 800 metres <laughs> at the Tokyo Olympics where you won silver at just 19 years old. Walk me through what that was like. Like, what was going through your head, your body, your soul when you were crossing that finish line and you got, like, a PB, national record, like, beating Kelly Holmes's record that was, like, 25 years old? Like, what what, what was going through your mind? Um, I think I definitely was in shock. If anyone who's seen my reaction from that video was like, oh, because I was going out, what the? <laughs> that was so funny because when I rewatched it, I didn't see you do that at the time. And then when I rewatched it, I saw, I was like, oh my God. I mean, to be fair, I would have said exactly the same thing. 
Yeah. I was just, you know, and you could actually hear it as well. And I was a bit like, oh, there's mixed opinions about that on tour. But, um, yeah, no, I think I was definitely in shock. Like, it was funny because I actually knew I was in that shape. Um, we do these predict sessions that basically tell us exactly what shape we're in. So I knew if I needed it, that 155 was there. Whether it was going to come out that day, you don't know how far I was going to go. But yeah, I was just really happy to execute a plan that maybe no one thought I, would, no one thought I was going to be in the final or even get a medal, but I knew I could be there. So I was just happy to pick up something that maybe at the time I didn't realise how how much of a big deal it was then. Because I remember thinking in my head, like, when I looked up at people like Jessica Ennis when I was younger, um, who's got Olympic silver, Olympic gold, and I'm like, now I have one. It doesn't make sense to me. Because it's the people I looked up to. So I think now I just wrap my head around that. No, you are the athlete now. And um, that's been a really fun process. But yeah, I was just in shock. And it's, it, that was probably one of the best years of my life. So much fun and just no pressure and just turn up to races and trying to be the best I can. And um, yeah, coming out with some silverware. Yeah, I mean, some stunning silverware. Where do you keep the silverware? <laughs> just locked away at the moment. Nowhere special. I can't. I don't want anyone to take it. So it's hidden. So no one can see it. I love how casual you are about it. Because I feel like if I won an Olympic medal, it would be like, you'd come around my house, you'd open the front door and it'd be like, oh, <laughs> it'd be right in front of your face. <laughs> my Olympic medal. You're like, I know. I'm just going to keep it. I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm going to lock it away. Yeah. It used to be at my parents' house. But then I was like, oh, I, I want to keep hold of that. So it's, it's a very special medal. It's very heavy. Um, but I don't know where I'd put it right now. So until I think I'm saving it from the, my future house, I'd like to have like a like a den, but like a bar type thing, and maybe have like things. Because what I wanted to do was put like my race kit and my spikes. Because I don't even remember my spikes were all had like messages written on them. So I've kept the spikes, and I'm hoping to frame them at some point. But there's nowhere in my apartment I can put it. So I'm gonna have to wait until I'm a, a grown woman in the house. Oh my god! Well. I'm going to need an invite to this bar because it sounds like it's going to kick off. <laughs> maybe, maybe. In another life, maybe I'm quite the party girl. <laughs> but you have so many medals to your name already. So you've yeah, got man. enough to decorate that bar already. But when you think about it, like being an athlete, so much your success is defined by winning a medal, getting onto the podium, where you place on that podium. But success means so much more than that. How do you define success and failure for you? To be honest, I'd say I probably don't really see failure. Um, I think if you've done everything you can, then you haven't failed. You just call it a draw. There's some wins and there's some draws. There's no losses. There's always... um, So I can't... Yeah, I'd say I wouldn't really see failure as as an option, to be honest. Maybe disappointment if you something hasn't gone your way but if you've done everything you can and at that point there's nothing more you can do so success to me is definitely defined by what you're going for and I think there's no like oh let me go break the world record or there's okay I got out of bed today and, and uh, made myself breakfast it just literally depends because there's been times last year was particularly hard for me that even though I was winning before the Commonwealth I you know, won a Commonwealth medal but week before that I was in such a state I personally was going through some things and I literally feel like out of bed. So I think it definitely depends on... I don't know how I got myself into mental things to even win a medal at that point, but I did. Um, so I think that the, the success is defined by 
what you to you is a is a step in the right direction. You know this podcast is all about bringing people together through the power of good conversation. And that's why I'm so happy to be working with Nike for this series, because one of Nike's greatest strengths is their ability to bring people together through the power of sport. As well as creating specific products for her, Nike is unlocking doors for the next generation, accelerating change in sport from grassroots level and investing in more than 135 community partners that support women and girls around the world who want to participate in sport. It's this kind of inclusion and progress that makes me so proud to be working with Nike for this special series. So I encourage you to head to at Nike Women to find out more. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You must have been so proud of yourself to like have internally gone through that and then been able to get there and win a Commonwealth medal. Like that is the definition of pride. Yeah, definitely. I think I was happy just to just switch up my mentality and just be like, you know, get through this. And then that year we had three championships, the World Championships, Commonwealth and European. When I tell you I was absolutely dead by the end of it. Um, was understand. I remember walking off it was the Diamond League final and I'd come like fifth but I remember on the start line I was like I don't even want to be I don't even want to run right now which is a shame because it's such a privilege to win in the Diamond League final but I was so mentally drained I was like let me just get through this and I didn't even care what the result was I was like well I finished it but um championships are tiring so getting through them is a is a bonus yeah and I mean when we had the fellow athletics queen, Katarina Johnson-Thompson, on the podcast. She talked a lot about the early days of her career and she described it as literally like having to go out and run in her bra and knickers. And she was like, and it made her feel quite vulnerable about her body at a time when she was really discovering her body, right, for the first time. And, you know, when you grow up, you it's a process to become comfortable with your body image. How do you think being an athlete has helped you with your body image and your relationship with your body image? Um, I would say I've probably been quite fortunate. I think from a young age, my parents maybe had a, a good impact on on that kind of thing. Especially when I was younger, younger of like not really looking into that. And mm. I've always, and my mom's quite slim, so I've always had the, the blessed of being genuinely quite slim. Um, but I think that my only struggle maybe recently would be like, it's one of those general things for athletes, girls, of like just looking really muscular. Some days I'll be like, oh, really lean. I hate looking really lean because I just think I look ill. It sounds mad, but I think, yeah, it's just, but that's what needs to be done in order to perform less. I think you're just accepting that, you know, you might not look how you want. Some people might argue, or they might look bigger than they want. I'd be arguing to tend to look smaller than I want. And um, I guess it's all perception in your mind of what you think you want to look like. But I think muscle muscular is definitely something that girls struggle with in sport, whether it be from outside people saying things on online or in people around you. Um, and just and yeah, just, just dealing with that and dealing with it actually is a nice thing. It's not a bad thing. And it's what helps you to do really great things on the track. So I think it's just 
coming with that. And I know it's there's something like a percentage dropout rate of girls between like 17 and above that drop out because of their body image, which is quite sad. Mm, it's so sad. And we should be celebrating strong females in our society. And it should be held up as something to be celebrated, not something to be discussed online or have outdated societal views of what our body image should be or should look like placed on people, right? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the big ones um, in athletics is like looking to masculine. There's a lot of comments around that of like, oh, they're like that, that person looks like a man just because they're built a bit bigger or they've got bigger muscles or this and that. And I think that's the stuff that I'm quite fortunate. I don't really deal with much of that. Um, I guess maybe it depends what event you're in. And, you know, if I was throwing a shot port, maybe I would be looking a bit different. But I think it's just them dealing with that. Maybe not trying to look at it, but just be proud of proud of what they've built, I guess. Exactly. And you should be so proud of it because it's a result of your amazing performance and your amazing talent. And, you know, every single body should be celebrated and everybody should be welcome in sport. And that is something Nike definitely stands for. And their innovative sportswear in the Her Collection are ensuring that women are not only performing to the best of their ability, they're empowering them in their bodies too. What specific innovations to women's sportswear have really changed the way you perform, but also feel within yourself and made you feel really empowered to be the athlete that you are? I'm going to say with me, I'm very much a, like a look good, feel good. Um, so I think for me, I think I love what Nike done with bringing back the the speed racing suit because that was quite an old thing. I remember it was around in like the eighties and nineties, um, and I guess it's not it's not quite a bikini and knickers, so it's a little bit more covering. Um, but also, it just I feel like it just makes me look good. And when I feel good, that's when I know I'm like I'm good to go. Um, things like that. So I guess for me, it'd be that side of things um, in terms of you know maybe others may talk about like the sports bars that they've got out there new collections of that they're different about supporting mood because every everyone was different in that area of things so but for me um yeah i would say it's just the designs that they brought out into our like racing kit yeah and the racing kicker is looking fly at the moment and one of the game-changing items that nike <laughs> has also recently released is the nike leap protection short which is amazing because when we had Lucy Bronze on, we were talking about this and she was saying, not only is it amazing because it gives you that extra bit of confidence, it's also amazing that it's actually getting us to talk about periods and a subject that's been very taboo in um, sports for so long. Do you still think it is a taboo topic in sports? And how do you think we can overcome that? Yeah, I would definitely say so. And I think for some girls, maybe more than others, and I think for me, one of the things around periods and that would actually be the contraception talk. Um, because I think, and maybe it's a topic that isn't even touched in athletics, but as a woman, a young woman, you may be in relationships or you may just, maybe you're struggling with your periods and you want lighter ones. So you choose contraception ways. And But they can also have things like you can gain weight, you can lose weight, change your mood, change your personality. And then it's like, as an athlete, I don't really want to put something in my body that doesn't belong there that's going to mess with the hormones and mess with my personality. So I think more research around that for me, because, you know, most athletes don't want to have kids until they're, they're older, but they don't want to get pregnant or they like say we're dealing with their, their periods in a different way. I think it's just finding something or some kind of solution of that and to talk about that, because, you know, you don't want your hormones impacting the performance. And it's, it's a whole bunch of, of just rolling topics. 
But I think it's definitely important to talk about. Mm. And it's so empowering to be able to do that because it's a completely normal thing that <laughs> so many people have to deal with and so many people feel yeah. so scared about talking about. And especially when it is something that can really affect your sporting performance, like you're saying. Yeah, definitely. I don't think there's a there's enough research out there on women's impact in their periods in sport and maybe even the pain. I'm quite fortunate that mine aren't that painful. And I've seen stories of some girls that are like, I can't get out of bed, I can't, I'm throwing up, I'm fainting. And it's like, that sounds insane. Um, so how someone would then go and perform after that? I don't know. Yeah. And so much of the discussions we've had in this uh, season of the podcast already, it's been about how we can really achieve true gender parity in sport. And in athletics, men and women compete on the same stage, which is quite rare in sporting terms yeah. still, which is quite sad. And they garner exactly the same attention, I feel. I mean, I'm always more invested in women in athletics anyway. What do you think still needs to be done to achieve true gender parity and equality in sport as a whole? Um, I would say, you know, it was something that you'll have heard of, you know, Ella Toon, one of the lionesses? Yeah. She plays for Man United. There was, so I did an interview with her. Um, it was last year now, but there was something she said about, because uh, I think the women's football is a great example of this. Because like you say, and I said in athletics, I'm very fortunate that there isn't much of a differentiation, even in maybe money earnings or exposure. It's quite the same because we're on the same platform. You've got the men's 100, then you've got the women's 800 going on. So we're quite fortunate with that. But I think with the women's football, she said something like it's not, so much the equal pay we're demanding, it's just the opportunity that they want. Because when you get the opportunity, I think that's when you start building on. And the stuff that they've managed to do since last year um, for women's football has been absolutely incredible. They've really brought on, got schools teaching at such a young age. So I went to school with Ella and there wasn't an amazing um, amount to, to play football or things like that. And she brought that with her because she played football outside of school. But she used to play for the boys team, and she was just as good as them, which was kind of insane. But um, yeah, I think it's just more the opportunity and just being given that, whether it be reaching out as people or companies coming in and, and trying to help or just putting your sport on the map and hopefully opening doors for bigger and better things to come through. Mm. I Hold on a minute. We're going to have to discuss this for 2.2 seconds. Like, what is in the water where you live where there's literally so many incredible athletes going to the same school, babe? I know, I don't know. She was two years above me, but we actually got on really well. So um, we stayed in touch since. But yeah, our teachers quite liked us. Oh my God. Was, has it been quite inspirational for you to see her out there at the top of her sports and you kind of like, you know, establishing yourself behind her? Has it really inspired you in a way? Yeah, it was. I remember when I first joined the school, I, I got the nickname of like a mini Ella around the PE um, department, which is quite funny. Um, she had good fit because we used to do the cross country together and she had a good fitness from playing football and stuff um but it's been really good to see her go on and become this really well-known football star that she is you know i remember she used to play for man united women when she was about 12 and then they didn't actually have a women's team so then she's been to i think like blackburn been to man city um and now she's back at united but the fact that they only just created a women's team about three years ago is is crazy so it just shows how much it's come on um and it's been really good to see her thrive in all the success 
Yeah, we love to see it. And one of the things you touched on that we would actually love to see is greater research in how sporting performance can affect women's bodies because there is such a lack of research into that. Where are you seeing progress and what would you personally like to see more research into that would help you as a female athlete? I think at the moment, I don't know if it's the good or bad thing, but the only progress I see is just people talking about it, which I guess is the first step. Putting it out there, you know, there was some interviews on the track um, that fellow athletes did, like Dina Asher-Smith, about maybe her periods causing cramps and things like that. Um, so I think talking about it is the first step. But then, yeah, you you want to see people do something about it. You know, the doctors of the world um, get in there and, and actually maybe try and find out what the difference is and what, what maybe can be helped. Um, but for me, like I said before, it's probably the contraception side of things. And I don't think men made me realize what we have to go through with that type of thing um we can affect our period and our body and even our minds you know there's a stereotype of it turning into psychos so and i would say that's not our fault it's the it's the pills talking so yeah i think just more about that maybe being comfortable with being open about it and um finding better solution for yourself because everyone's different that's the one thing that I think we remember that everybody's different. So it's it's trying to find a, a generalized that you know everyone talks about. It. I mean, we can find a, a generalized solution that can help move us forward. Mm. And we need more people like you because it's so refreshing to sit here and be able to have a discussion with you about this, and for you to be so open about it. And I think it will help. It helps not just athletes, but it helps my girlfriends it helps everyone when people talk about these things more yeah definitely especially for the i think the younger girls you know growing up when you're like just starting to go through puberty and yet you know things that happen with the girls and not being ashamed about it because it's just literally not in your control you know whether that be forgetting a sanitary product or things leaking through like it's it's genuinely nothing to get it shouldn't be an embarrassing thing and i think that's probably another thing why people drop out you know if we're on like if we're out there wearing like shorts and things and something happens you know it shouldn't be an embarrassing thing it's it's literally human nature 100 percent. and not only are you out there changing things on the track you're also changing things by the things you're saying off the track too and you are such an empowering athlete is there been a piece of advice that's really shaped you and made you the athlete you are sitting here today um yeah i would say probably one of my coach's philosophies which would be like get comfortable being uncomfortable and i think you can apply that in all aspects of life whether that be in a work office whether that be at the gym or whether that be you confronting something because you want to try and change your life or do something better or you know, i think it's getting comfortable being uncomfortable because it's not it's scary it's not nice it's definitely a feeling that not many people like the butterflies in your stomach and that and the pressure or the anxiety it may cause in your head um, but i think the more you face that and the more you battle through it for me, it would be getting more comfortable in training. Like I've got to put myself in a lot of pain to really get some adaptations sometimes. Um, and I think it's just not being afraid of that. So the more you face it, the more strongly you'll become and the more less scary things are seen. So I'd say, yeah, that's the big one. I love that. When do you think you've really embraced um, being uncomfortable? Was there a moment when you were like, I'm going to really dig in here? And I'm gonna get I'm gonna get into the uncomfortability to become comfortable on the other side. I think for me, the past two years, saying you know, I've gone through a bit of personal growth would be 
just taking control more of my life and what I want to do both as an athlete on and off the track and maybe having more I'm I never used to be really a confrontational person um so I think with me and my coach having gone through so many things I think it would be me coming to him and not confronting him because that sounds like really aggressive but just you know asking for things that I want that I think would benefit me rather than thinking about everybody else I think that's something that was always like just yeah I'll do it just to please other people but I think it's making sure that you're important on what it's your life you're in control so I think for me be that just come out growing into the woman I want to be and, and make sure I'm doing things for myself and I know that we've only got the world championships around the corner but Paris 2024 babes the Olympics is just one year away oh are we dreaming big for this and what are we doing to get ourselves back on that podium and turn that silver into a gold um we definitely are dreaming big for this I think the Olympics is such a great thing for track and field because everybody actually watches it and everybody gets involved and people who don't even understand it are like, yes, we're going to go support athletics. So it's definitely a big stage for us to put ourselves on the map um, and just they literally changed, changed our lives. I still stand by if I'd have got a silver medal, because originally the Olympics would have been the year before. Had I got a silver at the World Champs and not the Olympics, I think they're two different things. I can't explain it. There's something about the Olympics that is just so special. Um so I definitely, Paris, it's not home, but it's close to home. So I definitely want to be able to put on a show and hopefully come away with one better than when I did in the last one. Hmm. At the last Olympics, was there a moment maybe afterwards where you really realised how much your life changed through the Olympics? Where you were like, oh my God, I'm doing this, pinch me, what's going on? I think it probably came because somebody said to me straight after like, you know, your life's going to change now. And I was really like, yeah. Like, no, I've just got a new accessory. What are you but, talking about? That's it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, mm, I don't really think so. You know, I was fortunate. I was about to sign a new Nike deal and then I I stopped going to university. Um, but then, yeah, maybe a couple months later, I was a bit like, it's called the Olympic come down and probably hurt. And I was a bit like, nah, but it's actually a thing. It's definitely a thing of experience something so high. Getting that high again, it makes it what it used to seem so exciting not so exciting anymore mm. which sounds a bit mental but that's the best way I can describe it so I think for me it was it was just processing the absolute high and not getting too low but then also really yeah things have changed a little bit you know you're not a uni student anymore you don't live at home training is now a full-time job the only the next year I realized is maybe going to be slightly different expectation but just also making sure I was I was still 19 year old was the philosophy of that year to just just keep me grounded and keep me going. Mm. Is that what got you out of that Olympic come down? Was just refocusing on everything else in your life? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and just also processing what happened. Like it was such a, a shock and a high. Like I said that, yeah, the coming down from that was just a bit depressing. So it's probably the best way I can say it. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of athletes did feel the same, whether you won an Olympic gold or whether you make it, made it out of the heats. That There's something about the Olympics. It's just such a special event that definitely there's an aftermath. Um, so I think, yeah, just talking to the people around me and um, making sure that I still had other things going on in life. I think some athletes, they can do athletics, athletics, and some athletes need a complete separate life, a complete breakaway. Um, so, yeah, I think just making sure there's a good balance for me. 
Mm. And that's a good lesson for everyone in life, isn't it? Because if you're completely defined by what you do as a job and you're never going to be truly content within yourself. Yeah, definitely. And I think the what I would probably say to my younger self is don't be afraid to like go do something else or do something, look at other things that might make you happy. Not even another sport, but just like, you know, maybe going out with your friends or like don't shy away from that because you've got your whole life ahead of you. Like I don't think athletics should stop you from doing other things you want. I said one thing for me is like I, and this is going back to like maybe the, another stereotype in our sport, which is becoming a mother. Um, and I think what I always thought growing up, I'm going to have to be like 35, have kids. When my career is over, it's got to be over. Whereas looking at some of the people like Alison Felix, Shelly and Fraser Pride, it's like, no, you very much can have to be on the other one. You can very much do whatever you want. That. And for me, I don't, I don't want to be 30 when I have my first child. I'd like to be a bit younger. But um, I never thought that was an option. So I think it's nice to see, you know, this comeback from pregnancy and detaining all these objectives of once you have a baby, your career's over, that's it, you're not coming back. I don't think that's the case at all. I think it actually makes you stronger. Yeah. And it's so amazing to have so many role models who are shattering that completely outdated illusion that being a mother will completely ruin your athletics career because actually, like you're saying, it can completely empower it and turn you into another level of athlete. Yeah, I've heard a pranning gives you a whole new pain barrier. <laughs> so that's what I've heard. I've heard it's so painful, nothing else hurts anymore. So it sounds like a great idea. Those 5 a.m. starts around the track will never be painful again. That's the rumor, anyway. I don't know how true it is. <laughs> well, Keely, it's been the best talking to you today. But before you go, we at the end of every episode, we always ask one last question. And that always is, in the reign of your life, what's the one rule you'll always live by? Cool. Um, that nothing is that serious. We're all going to die anyway. Both of them are thing. Uh, it's probably the one thing I sit by. Sometimes, you know, when you get stressed about things, I'm thinking we're all going to be in the ground in 80 years' time. So it really doesn't matter. It's a good philosophy, I'd say. Stops me stressing anyway. Exactly. And just good luck. I cannot wait to see what you do next. And we're going to be cheering you on. No, thank you very much. Thank you for having me as well. Thanks for being here for this episode of Rain. If there are things that resonate with you, I'd love to hear from you. Get me on socials at Josh Smith Hosts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe or follow and share this with someone you think should hear it. Let's get those convos going because that is what this podcast is all about. Hi babes, me again. Just wanted to tell you about something 
very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know, I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say, talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated. It can truly improve your well-being, allow you to create the life you want and bring the connections you are so deserving of, babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.